So over the winter, a new era began in the Long household. We have now entered into the Star Wars era of our family. Earlier this year, my mom had bought my son Micah a set of Star Wars figures for his birthday, and so we figured he should probably watch the movies before he gets the gift. We'd kind of been holding out on it. We said, all right, now's the time. It's time to indoctrinate you into all things Star Wars. And I will say it was absolutely love at first sight for my son. In Micah's words, at first I thought it was okay. Then I thought it was amazing. By the end, I was like, he literally did this with his, with his hand. It blew his mind. Now, in particular, he is obsessed with Darth Vader. He loves Darth Vader. He walks around our house in a full Darth Vader costume, playing the Imperial March on an old phone in his pocket. And he just walks around. I am often greeted at the door with him opening the door and saying, Welcome home, Father. Here's a picture of him here. He had a, but we, of course, now had to have a Star Wars birthday, so that's him. He wore his Darth Vader costume the entire birthday, very little. His, his buddy Daniel's there. Uh, we did some face painting, some Star Wars stuff, but we are big-time Star Wars fe- uh, people. Uh, when he, after he watched Empire Strikes Back, Micah said to me, he goes, Dad, if you called me to the dark side, I'd go with you because I'd want you to give me the power to squeeze people's throats. I was like, all right, that's a, we'll work on that one, I guess. <laughs> but recently, Micah asked me a very legitimate question. He'd, he'd been watching these for a while. He'd read, you know, that opening title a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I remember he turned to me, and, and, and with, with real concern, he asked, he said, Dad, is Star Wars real? Is Star Wars real? Because Star Wars has Comic-Con gatherings with dedicated followers, detailed accounts within an authoritative canon. Star Wars is about a chosen one who overcomes evil with good as he follows an invisible spiritual guide. It is a clearly devised mythology. So my answer to him was, nope, it's not real. Now go get ready for our Sunday gathering with other dedicated followers as we read accounts with an authoritative canon about a chosen one who overcomes evil with good as he follows an invisible spiritual guide. You can see why there'd be some confusion there. This one over here, this is make-believe. Yes, there's movies, and yes, there's dedicated followers, and yes, everybody knows about that, but that one, no, 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 that one's not real. Come on, let's basically, in its basic form, obviously there's a lot of differences, but... The ideas of good and evil and authoritative canon and seeing a chosen one finally rise to defeat the evil emperor. Well, you could see why there would be some confusion with that. Is Christianity real? Or is it simply a cleverly devised mythology? Now the answer to that, how Peter is going to address this issue, is it comes back to the larger theme of this letter which is the knowledge of God, knowing God, not just knowing about God, but truly knowing him, having real encounters with the living God. In this letter, Peter is countering falsehoods by skeptics and false teachers. 
And so this letter is structured around three different myths that he addresses. And today, we hit the first one. Objective one. How do you know we aren't just making this whole thing what is different between this and Star Wars? It's a cleverly devised mythology. And how Peter is going to answer that question first off is he's going to say, we know it because we've seen it. We have a personal knowledge of God. And that personal knowledge of God will speak to the reality of God. I know it because I've seen it myself. Here it says in 2 Peter 1, 16 and 18. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw this thing. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So, so Peter's first response to this idea that everything was made up, he's like, listen, if this is all made up, then uh, there was something in the air that day, because I saw it myself. I, I was there. I, I actually watched it. I saw it. I witnessed it. I heard it. I was there when it happened. And there was a group of us too. It wasn't just me. He used the word we. There was a group of us there. There was three of us. We all saw it together. And this isn't some general kind of affirmation that they had been with Jesus. He is talking about a specific, literal moment where he saw the fullness of God. The scriptures call it the transfiguration. And we find an account of it in Matthew 17. Let me read for you the account. Kids, hear this and you tell me if you were there, if you wouldn't have been blown away by what you had seen. This is, this is Peter's account. Uh, Matthew is giving it, but this is what Peter saw that day. So remember, he says, hey, I know this isn't made up because I saw it. And then Matthew tells us what he saw. It says this in Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Can you imagine that? Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So Peter, here's Peter here, he said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. Wouldn't you be too? Can you imagine that? You're up on the hill, there's clouds, and there's light, and shining, and you hear the, the very voice of God coming down. And they fall down, they're terrified of it. But Jesus came, and he touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Now the word transfiguration, it simply means to change or to, to morph. The scriptures say that there was a physical manifestation that Peter actually saw with his own two eyes. He got to peek behind the curtain. He got to witness the fullness of Jesus' glory. He had a personal encounter with the living God. 
a personal encounter with the living God. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus here today, chances are, and I bet to guess it's almost 100%, if you are a follower of Jesus, it's because in part because you have had a personal encounter with God. You have a story to tell, or you have multiple stories. You have those times in your life where God showed up in a very, uh, uh, um, in particular way. He showed up in a, a way, in a powerful way that you were not expecting. It might even have been physical how God came, and he made himself real to you as the living God. I would venture a bet as if I asked any one of you, tell me a time when God met you where you were at. You would be able to tell a story and maybe it's not as dramatic as Peter. It's, they're all going to look a little differently. But you have a story to tell where you said, yeah, that, this went beyond just knowing God in my head and God actually meeting me in a very real way. April 19th, 2005 is when I had one of mine. I was 20 years old and a friendship is growing with a cute girl named Molly Carr. I was going into ministry and I was discerning what that would look like, what my path would look like in ministry. Uh, would God have me kind of do this as a single man and kind of do ministry as a single man? But there was this relationship that was brewing and I was discerning, or, or is she part of that plan? Is she on that path with me? And so I actually spent the better part of a week in intentional prayer, even some fasting, asking the Lord to show me the path forward. And I remember after that, I was sitting uh, on our campus hill towards the end of it, and I was about to leave. It was at night. I was about to leave when all of a sudden God showed up in a tangible, physical way. And I, it's hard to even explain. I began to shake, and I heard this voice now, I can't tell you it was an audible voice. I don't know if anyone, if they were around, would have heard it. But it was as clear as someone was speaking inside my brain. And I heard God ask, do you trust me? He asked it several times. And when I responded, yes, he said, then trust me. I will make your path straight. And then it was done. And I felt that was the Lord saying, yes. Whatever you do in ministry, she's going to be part of that with you. God showed up in a tangible, literally physical way. And I had a personal encounter with God. If you're a Christian, you have likely had a personal encounter with Jesus too. And your encounters will look differently and they might not be so dramatic as Peter's. But you know you had experienced God in a tangible way. And so we are encouraged when somebody says, how do you know this is, isn't all just made up? You say, well, I've got a story to tell. Just as Peter said, listen, I was there. I, I saw it with my own eyes. I was eyewitness. I was on that mountain. I heard it with my own two ears. We all have stories of God showing up to you in a real and personal way. And you all, many of you, I can see your faces now, you, you're remembering it. It's coming back into memory, the time God moved and was very real in a very real way. 
And what's cool is what Peter says is, hey, we want to tell you this story because the stories of each other encourage us as well. So it's not just our story to to tell uh, by ourselves. It's not just ours to keep to ourselves. We're encouraged when I hear your stories just as much as I hope as you're encouraged with mine to say, is this real? Is this? I don't know, but all I know is that something happened to me on that night on that hill. And we all can share our stories of personal encounters with God Because at the end of the day, the head knowledge will fail, but we can have a story to tell of God's experience. Actually, as I was thinking through this, I remember a story uh, that Mike Higgins, uh, who is part of our congregation, he told as part of his grace story when he got baptized. And so take a look here. This is, now it's a few years old, so he's a a little younger now, uh, or he's a little younger back then. But uh, take a look at his story of when God met him personally right where he's at. Take a look. Hi, my name is Mike, and this is my Grace story. I can remember the day. Um, it turns out it was a pretty impactful day. I hadn't really been thinking about my future or about Christ necessarily, um, but a series of events happened in my life where things were just turning terrible and things were not going the way I had foreseen. I had I gotten in touch with a group of guys, and, and they knew Christ, and they read their Bibles, and so... Uh, in that friendship, they said, hey, you know what? You should, uh, you should get a Bible and you should start reading it. And I said, you know, nothing else is working in my life. This sounds like a pretty decent idea. And I went home that night and uh, I, 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 I kind of sensed that I was going to cry out to God and I was going to ask for help because I, I didn't know where else to turn. And it seemed, it seemed reasonable. Um, so we had a dog at the time, so I like made sure the door was locked literally the five times and like, it was like building up within me that there was something dramatic that was about to happen and take place. And I got on my knees and I asked God for help. I asked that his son, Jesus Christ, would play a part in my life moving forward and that, um, that I would relinquish the power over my life, that I would give of myself freely to this avenue and kind of just see where it leads me. All that I experience in life and my circumstances, and I view that in light of eternity, in light of what the scripture is saying, then these things that seemingly are difficult, you know, to overcome or to bear, um, I'm not bearing alone, right? I can, I have the power of Christ. I have the strength of Christ. All the resources have been made available in Christ through God uh, by faith in Jesus. It's an encouraging story. I I love when he said, I knew that it was an impactful day, that I knew that something was going to happen that night. I had a sense I was going to cry out to God, he said. And he said, I made sure I had a dog, so I made sure I locked all the doors because I knew something, something was about to go down. There was a God thing that was about to go down. And he got down on his knees and he said, God, nothing else is working in my life. Will you make yourself known to me? I mean, that's the encouragement. How do you know this thing isn't made up? I don't know. I just know we've got hundreds of stories in this room alone that would tell you of the personal knowledge of God. That's how we know. Personal knowledge of God speaks to the reality of God. But then Peter says, but there's more. But wait, there's more. Because it's not just the personal stories that legitimize that Jesus is real. There's also the prophetic knowledge of God that speaks to the reality of God too. 
There's the personal knowledge of God that speaks to God's reality, the stories here, but there's also a prophetic knowledge of God that speaks to the reality. Look at the last part of 2 Peter 1. He says this, and also, so he tells about his story, and in the second half he says, and also, by the way, we also have the prophetic word that's more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter says, listen, you've got my story, you've got my account, but we have an even greater account. We have a prophetic account. We we have the, the scriptures, the holy scriptures that are fully confirmed Sure, like my, my words, I can tell you my story, great, but the, the prophets of old, the, the, the word of God, which was not written by humans, which was not interpreted by humans, but is God's word spoken to us in the word, they even more fully confirm that this whole thing is real. Peter says it's not just my own personal encounters, it's reading the encounters of others in God's word. The prophets are in line, are a line of real people with real encounters with God. Just like Peter, let me read to you a couple of encounters from the prophets. Kids, again, put yourself in their position. These were young guys. Some of you not very much older than you. And God came and encountered them in very real ways. Let's look, Isaiah. Isaiah has a great story to tell. Look at this in Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, And the train of his robe filled the temple. Then one of the sephirim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins are atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Wow. There's this prophet of old that said, like, God, in my youth, he showed up. And I saw this vision of him, like, like, forgiving my sins and clearing me and then sending me on a mission. I mean, if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. Consider Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So don't be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Can you imagine that one? Holy cow. This guy Jeremiah, and and we even missed the part where he starts complaining about him being too young. Hey, I'm too young for this. What are you talking about? He goes, No, no, no. No, yeah. I'm going to put my words in your mouth. One more, Ezekiel. Again, these are real guys. These are not some mythical creatures. These are real guys who had real encounters with God. And he said to me, Son of man, stand to your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. God literally like, picked him up. Whoop. Right? How'd you like God like picking you up, kids? Right? Whoop. And like setting you up. And he spoke to me. The Spirit entered me. It put me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. When I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, 
and it had the writings on the front and on the back, and there were written on the words of lamentations and mournings and woes. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So real guys having these real incredible moments with God. And notice each of these encounters, it is the Lord that is touching their lips, putting words in their mouths, giving them scrolls to eat. Peter says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I love that image of God carrying these prophets along right, as they're writing these words, as they're having these experiences. This isn't just a group of guys that wanted to get together and kind of figure this thing out. This is God literally carrying them along. This phrase, carried along, is actually only found one other place in the New Testament. It's a scripture found in the book of Acts, and it's describing actually just literally uh, uh, some of the disciples, they were in a boat, and the winds were so strong that they couldn't, uh, they couldn't navigate the boat anymore, they couldn't, they couldn't manipulate the sails to get them to where they went, they wanted to go. And so they finally just had to allow the wind to carry them wherever they want. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, they couldn't manipulate the sails anymore. It gave way to it and were just driven along. And I love that image of, of the prophets being like a sailboat. And the Holy Spirit come in its powerful wind. Oh, by the way, in Hebrew, this, the word for wind and the weird, word for spirit are the same word. The Holy Spirit, that wind blowing into the prophet's sails. And they could, it's not their will that can drive it. So they just finally just have to give way to it and let the Holy Spirit take them, drive them, carry them along wherever they go. That The words are the very words of God. Peter says that these are not cleverly devised myths. I encountered it and they encountered it in a really special way. He says it's like the morning star rising. That these words are like a lamp in dark places. They illuminate our way in the dark places until a time will come when the morning star will rise. The Bible accounts are like a lamp shining in the dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our heart. Now the phrase morning star literally means light bringer which was the name for the planet Venus. So when they said that, that's a specific name for a specific planet. The light bringer, the morning star, was the name for Venus. And what's neat about this is Venus's orbit is closer to the sun than ours. So from our perspective, when we look into the sky, Venus and the sun are never far away from each other. In fact, Venus kind of uh, is in front of the sun most of the time, and they kind of follow each other. I'm no astronomer, but I, can, I can't even say it right, but they, are, they follow along, and so Venus is never far away from the sun. So in the morning, when it's dark, and again, they didn't have atomic clocks to necessarily know when, it was, when, when the dawn was about to rise, but they would know because Venus would rise first, the, the morning star would come up and they would see it and go, ah, morning's coming. The dawn is about to be here because the morning star has risen. And so in this dark place that we live in, in the dead of night, we wait. And the word of God is going to, and, and personal counsel, they're going to be our lamp in dark places because it's dark, but this, this, this word of God is given to us so we can still see 
as we wait because the morning, the morning star is about to dawn in our hearts. And when it does, we know the fullness of light is coming. So we have a lamp now, but we know the morning star is coming. And when it does, we know the fullness of light is not far behind. In a dark world, we wait for the light to break forth in all of its fullness. And so the word of God is the lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Personal and prophetic knowledge of God speaks to the reality of God. Personal and prophetic, the word of God, is the, that knowledge speaks to the reality of God. Let's call the band up as we finish up here. Kids, is Christianity real? This whole thing we're doing You come with mom and dad and you kind of sit and you go downstairs and you learn the Sunday school stories. Is this simply just a cleverly devised myth? How do we know that this whole thing isn't just like Star Wars? How come we're not just playing a role like Star Wars? Two things for you, friends, kids. My prayer is that you will obtain a personal knowledge of God. You're downstairs right now and you're going to be learning. You're learning all the Sunday school stuff and that's good. You need that knowledge. You need those stories to ground you. But at some point, my prayer for each of you kids, my prayer for each of you parents as you do, is that they will have a personal encounter with God. That they'll come to know him as the real living God, not just a story in a book. That God will meet them right where they are at. I pray, kids, that you will have a real personal experience with God. But as we wait, and as you learn, my prayer is you will also grow in your prophetic knowledge, the word of God. You will let that be uh, your guide in dark places. Yesterday, my daughter, Mia, she felt led to give a Bible to her friend and next-door neighbor. We've been neighbors with them for seven years, and she felt called, she felt led, that she wanted to give a Bible to her friend, our next-door neighbor that we've gotten to know for years and years and years. She didn't quite know how to do it, so she took a post-it note, stuck it on the front of a Bible, like this, and wrote the words, read this, it will change your life. She then walked over, placed it on their front steps, rang the doorbell, and ran away. Uh. Now, when she told us what had happened, I was actually initially upset by that because there was, like, no warning, no context, no relational uh, connection. She basically pulled a ding-dong ditch for Jesus. And we actually had a little bit of a spat about that. We kind of went back and forth, and finally, in kind of in her anger, she kind of stormed up to her room. Well, I went back into her room and I asked her again, why did you do it? And she admitted she didn't know how to do it, but she felt compelled to because in her her words, these are her words, if we just play with them and we never tell them about God, what's the point? She says, I want her to read the Bible. Now, yes, we could have done it a little better and we talked about you know, next time when you don't know what to do, like, come talk to us. We'll, fig- we'll figure all that out. 
but man, talk about a humble pie for old pastor dad, right? (laughs) I was so wrong and so proud of her. And later that day, just yesterday, her friend knocked on her door. She wanted to show us something, but really she wanted to ask about the Bible. She said, hey, I was in my window and I saw Mia coming with something and I heard the doorbell ring, so I ran downstairs and of course I opened the door and she was gone. There was no one there, but I found this Bible. And we were able to say, yeah, Mia, Mia really wanted you to have it. She goes, thank you. I said, you're welcome. And now there's a Bible in that girl's room. And we don't know if she'll ever read it. And we don't know if she'll ever have a personal experience with God, but we pray for it. How do you know this thing isn't real? How do, you know, how do we know this whole thing isn't made up? Read this. It will change your life. Let's pray. God, At some point or another, each one of us, you have made a personal encounter with. If we are a follower of Jesus, for each one of us in the room, we have a story of when you showed up right when we needed it and you made yourself known to us. I pray for every child in here now. I pray a blessing. Join me, parents, in prayers. We pray for the children that they might have a personal encounter with God. That right when they need it, you will show up for them in a real and powerful and personal way and say this is not a myth. This is not made up. I am real and I love you. And I pray, Lord, that they will dive into this word more and more. They will hear the stories of old and know that you have been showing up for people since the beginning of time. And they will read it and it will change their life. We love you, Jesus.